You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 283. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. Today, of course, I'm not only joined by Aaron, but I'm actually live at Aaron's house. How are you doing, Aaron? I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, we're, we're recording uh, about our usual time of the evening. Right. Uh, but uh, it feels like it's late at night because we're out on your porch here in Massachusetts. And not only that, but I don't know if you guys can hear it, but do you hear all those like sounds of is, what are these crickets or frogs? or? I, I think uh, it's the amphibians of the night. Ooh. Well, I, I mean... That, a that's, little, that's a song that was cut from uh, Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, it's a little bit, uh, I don't know if it's creepy out here, but it, it definitely feels like it's the dead of night. Um, and uh, so, and this is fun. We've got some, uh, we've got some beverage out and uh, <laughs> we're going to talk, we're talking on your porch. So we're taking a, a chapter out of uh, Rob Bernstein's uh, playbook. It, it is not quite summer yet, but uh, I, I think this is close enough to, to consider part of your summer porch tour. Oh Well, I'm not doing a summer porch <laughs> tour. but you know uh, well, if, if you do one more porch, that counts as a tour. <laughs> All right. So today we're going to talk a little more political. And don't worry, I'm not going to go off on like, you know, uh, Biden and Trump and all that. Uh, but no, uh, no indictment talk here. <laughs> no, no. Um, you, you know, catch me in person. You can get me to go off on that. But, you know, there's so many people talking about that. If you're a junkie for that stuff, you've got it. So I I, want to talk about the big questions, the stuff that's going to echo throughout the the decades and the centuries. Um, So I'm talking about, um, you know, I decided to get up one day and change the Constitution. How's that sound? I mean, if it it ain't broke, don't fix it. What what do you think is wrong with the way our country is being run? Well, I, I was reading some articles um, about the Seventeenth Amendment. Um, now, it, um, so as you may know, uh, the Constitution has been amended, I think, twenty-seven times. Um, so those are changes to the Constitution, right? And I actually think that, that mo- includes the original uh, Bill of Rights, the first yes. ten. Yeah, the Bill of Rights is the first ten. Because those were all done in one go, right? Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they. I don't know if they were literally one go, but they were within like a year or so. Uh, and, and so, and I actually think most of these amendments were pretty good. Um, surprisingly, some people will disagree with me. I'm sure some people in Porkfest, for example, take very, um, uh, it's not what's called contrarian views on these things. Contrarian libertarian. Yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. Heaven forbid. (laughs) No, but so I actually think most of them are good. I think that the, um, the first 10, right. Are the bill of rights. Then I think, then you got two that were kind of came in the decades after that were like, man, we kind of screwed up the election of the president and the vice president, how they're Th- like, this is stuff that parties. came out of the, uh, was it yeah. the 1804 election fiasco? I don't know what the other ones, you had a couple of ones like that. Then you had three that came out of the civil war, um, which were like, you know, equal protection under the law. Um, you know, voting rights shouldn't be based on your race and, 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 end of slavery, of course, like that. And then, you got these three in the progressive era, and, and those I consider the only three bad ones. And the ones that came after that were actually either kind of neutral or, or, or they were fine or good. So those, those three were, and they, came, they all came, I think, around 
1913, somewhere thereabouts. Okay. Uh, and so it was. So th- this was first wave progressives, not not FDR progressives. No, I, actually, I don't think there were any uh, amendments to the Constitution during that time. They 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 changed the government through other means. Yeah, yeah. So those three, well, because they already got their progressive amendments. So, so, so this was all. Was it Wilson's? Wilson's. Well, administration. I or? don't think it was. And well, I mean, I'd love to blame Woodrow Wilson, <laughs> but I I don't think you know an amendment takes the, large portions of the population to agree. And it's um, it's really uh, you know it can't be done just by a president. So and it comes from Congress initially. So it's so it's really the the times. It was the progressive era where everybody held these ideas. So, I mean, yes, I, I consider Woodrow Wilson to be you know he's he's a poster one, child of the era, but it's not yeah. like he was the one man band. Right, right, and, and in some ways he was like the the worst president of the modern era in terms of like the his policies that i dislike there are many things that he did that make him uh easy to cancel shall we say well yeah yeah (laughs) but but also like um not worst in terms of like the most incompetent or something like that uh but um anyway uh, although yeah, after, after a, you had that stroke, maybe <laughs> there's a discussion to be had there about yeah. uh, uh, what what is it uh, is is it Hamlin's razor? Um, about, Hamlin. Uh, the 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 uh, ne- never never attribute to uh, to malice that which could be uh, 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 explained with with stupidity is is do, right. do you want a uh, a well-meaning incompetent leader or do you want a uh, uh, a, a malicious skillful uh, leader? Uh, right. Uh, well, they 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 can each do damage in their own way, but but that's not what we're here to talk no, about. No, we're it, but, here but to talk about ways right. to blunt those risks. Right, right, right. Uh, but interestingly, you know, a lot of people ask the question: Are they stupid? Are they evil? I actually think it's like um, it's it's a certain way of thinking that's promulgated that leads to bad results. So I, I, that's almost like a neither answer that I have. Mm. Um, and 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 that's sort of the science time. Okay, so those three amendments that um, caused so much trouble. The first one was the income tax. I don't was that think thirteenth. Yeah, no, uh, uh, 13, 14, 15 were civil wars. So oh, you're 16. right. So, so it must have been seven, six, yeah, 16, 16, 17, and 18 are the ones yeah. we're talking about? Yeah. So 16 was the income tax, which was passed because they were like, look, it's going to be 5% tops, okay, guys? <laughs> like that, And you're not going to pay it unless you're like a millionaire. It's, it's like uh, my, f- my favorite tax uh, 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 tidbit is, is the uh, there was some tax that was passed to pay for the Spanish-American War. Yeah. Um, and, and are we still uh, paying it? N- no, no. They they well, they finally paid off all the bonds in like, I don't know, the 1990s or something ridiculous. And I I, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm, okay. I'm I'm probably messing it up. But it was it was something that the 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 intention was, yeah, it'll be a couple of years. We'll pay for it. And, and then, you know, it'll be taken off the books. Uh, and, and no, it was it was decades, the better part of a century for sure. Yeah, that is a century because that's uh, yeah, 1900 to 1990. That would be 90 years. Um, <laughs> they can live longer than the human lifespan average. Um, so, okay, so the first one's one was the income tax. Um, can't do, well, can do something about that, but decided not to, that's not my thing to, to do tax policy right now. The second one is the 17th Amendment, and that is the one that said, uh, and that's the one we're going to talk about today. That's the one that says, okay, senators are no longer going to be elected by the state governments. They're just going to be voted on directly by the people just like the House of Representatives is. And um, let me get to that in a second, but first just to round that out, then there was the 18th Amendment that said prohibition, alcohol is prohibited. You, you mean the, the 19th? 
No, was it the 18th? It's 18th, yeah. Okay, because yeah. oh, right, 19th was the other thing. Uh, <laughs> 19th granted women the right to vote, which I'm sure there are people who are against that. I'm okay with the 19th, 20th, all the all the rest of them. Yeah, I mean, there. the great thing about uh, about yeah. uh, the, the Prohibition Amendment, you said was the 18th? Yeah. Uh, is, is that We're breaking I believe it right now. that's the only one that has been repealed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so it, it counteracts what I said a moment ago about it being a one-way ratchet. It is it is not just theoretically, but in practice possible to uh, undo what has been done uh, through the amendment process. Right, right. So so there are three bad ones, and we've already slayed one out of the three. So two more to go, right? We, we're, we're going for a meatloaf here. Right. So the 17th Amendment is really interesting because I was presented— this amendment in um you know in like high school as this was like an improvement to our democracy and this meant that okay now the people have more control over who gets elected not only can they elect the house of representatives but they could also get to elect their senator so that made the country more democratic and i think that's kind of the the talk about it today and in fact I looked that, up that some... certainly seems to align with and, and i'm sure you'll get to this later but yeah. uh the the discussion about you know popular vote versus electoral college um that 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 was a shift closer to representing the popular will of the people sure is is popular of the people is that redundant uh sure the <laughs> the, po- the popular vote yeah um so uh yeah and, and there are still quite a few people who oppose the 17th Amendment or, you know, want it to uh, want, want to repeal it. But, you know, once you put it into the political sphere, um, you always get called the same thing. You don't get called a fascist. You don't get called a but you get called a you don't get called a Nazi or a white supremacist, but you get called a troglodyte. That's the word that you Ooh. use to describe someone who opposes the 17th. I just I don't know who makes the rules. That's just uh, that's See, just, when you say troglodyte. I, yes. I picture. um uh, a creature that lives in a cave, uh, possibly yeah, a, has extra eyes. Um, looks, <laughs> looks a little bit like a what is what's, what's it from Dungeons and Dragons? A kobold. Yeah, that's uh, what I thought too. But I looked it up. It actually turns out to be a caveman. So like a prehistoric Neolithic, Neolithic okay, family. Okay, so I got the cave part right. Right. Who? So and obviously, as you know, in that society, they are known for having a, a senate that is elected by the. <laughs> constituents in a federal system uh so um (laughs) but no uh look the the uh, the um some people point out well what was the 17th amendment meant to achieve and did it achieve it because you know there is one problem with having these large electoral districts which is like you know first of all you get a lot of money going into politics here all the senators are raising money from all the same states there's a very high barrier to entry to being an, a, a Senate candidate who actually has a chance to win, which essentially means you're either one of the two main parties or you're some kind of independent from a small state maybe, but that rarely happens. It's like a billionaire independent could probably do it, uh, pull it off. I mean, or, or you know, there are some independents in the Senate now, but like Kirsten Cinema elected by Democrats, so it doesn't really count. And, and I would say that for, for the most part, um, you, you don't uh, become rich and then become a senator. You become a senator and then become rich. Well, that, that's a problem, too. And so I think one you, of the— If you're rich, you buy senators. Yeah. Well, this is a little bit of a, you know, a kind of a conspiracy theory behind the 17th Amendment was that lobbyists were having a hard time, like, bribing the Senate— so they said, well, the state senates, they're corrupt. They're making these corrupt bargains 
or the state legislatures are making these corrupt bargains to choose the senators, which I agree with is probably true, um, or certainly was true. And so we need to get the, make it more fair so that now that the people elect the senators, but then, of course, the special interests loop in and say, hey, we can help you out with your campaign, so why don't you listen to us when we show up at the lobby of the Senate door and uh, tell you what legislation you should pass. So th that really is a big problem. Um, and also, you know, the purpose of bicameralism, uh, uh, well, I think there are two, and, and so, you know, oftentimes people who are against the 17th Amendment kind of uh, couch it in a certain way that I think I sort of disagree with, or maybe I'm taking a different approach, because they often say, like, look, the founders were totally right. They were um, infallible. Now, they don't usually say that, but they kind of act like, look, we totally got it right the first time. And then these progressives sort of mucked it up and and kind of screwed up our system of government. And now we no longer have federalism in the sense of, you know, federalism is you're supposed to balance the uh, the uh, the role of the states versus the role of the federal government. And we've gotten too top heavy as a result of this amendment. Yeah, I mean, um, the, the counter argument would be that that by uh, moving to to direct elections, that uh, it's 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 not that the power is being given up to the federal government. It's that uh, the state government is being uh, given a smaller role in intervening between the electorate and the federal government. Right. Um, right. Exactly. Um, your mileage may vary. Yeah. So I I think. I think actually the founders botched the Senate, um, and 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 that the, and that led to the Seventeenth Amendment. Now, yes, it led to the Seventeenth Amendment. One hundred and twenty years later, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to blame someone for writing a constitution that gets subverted in one hundred and twenty years. But I, I want to explain. Well, well, do you do you think it was broken from the start, or or it evolved into a broken state? Well, it, it's. That's and, a good and, question. And was that inevitable, given how it had been structured? That's a good question. But but yes, I think that if you look at the debates that they were having when they were coming up with the Constitution, there was um, – they had different ideas on what the Senate was. And so it's like if you're doing a, a project and you're like, well, half the people think that the project's goal is X and the other half think the project's goal is Y, you're going to get this kind of – Frankensteinish response that maybe might not do X or Y very well, mm. um, and so the the reason so so here's here's how I think they botched the sense. So the um, the uh, the kind of the people who called themselves federalists they wanted a stronger central government, um, and and these were um, people like Madison who was coming up with most of the Constitution. He was uh, kind of leading that whole thing, um, and, and from the South, and then Hamilton from the from the North. They did not see the Senate as the voice of the states. They kind of saw the Senate as like, no, we need like this, these, these like wise uh, aristocratic type people. They, they were thinking more the British House of Lords, right? You know, and so, uh, so, so which, they which to... unlike the our contemporary British House of Lords, which is largely neutered in power, whether uh, legally or just uh, through through. Um, precedent practice and tradition uh they actually had political power at that time and they were uh you know lifetime appointments right right and hamilton wanted usually, these usually lords uh you know well it's, it's the house of lords so usually actual nobility uh possibly from the clergy you know pe people of of old blood and and traditional stock in in the united kingdom 
Right, right. And so, like, um, uh, Hamilton wanted to copy that. He wanted senators to serve for life, and I think the president was going to just select them as they as they croaked. Yeah, as as, as much yeah. as he was uh, a a advocate for the revolution, he was certainly not certainly not looking to tear down class structure in, no, in the colonies. No. He was he he was all for it. Um, and and you know I've spoken about him on the show, like brilliant guy, but that's where he stood. And actually, there were some anti-federalists who were were kind of against this approach to the Constitution. And, and there was even a quote by one, like, no, like, I'm the real federalists. You guys are nationalists kind of thing. Well, you I was know, gonna like, say, did, did they call themselves that? Uh, were they? Yes, they, they, they bore the the, the label anti-federalist, because I, I know in many political uh, uh, hot topics, uh, what what you call yourself and what your opponents call you do not necessarily align. Right. Um, well, it almost sounds to me like you know, um, as I'm kind of feeling like, no, I'm I'm the liberal. I'm a liberal. You're a socialist or a progressive or whatever. You know. Uh, so it, it sounds a lot like that when when someone says, well, well uh, you call me an anti-federalist. I'm actually a federalist, but you're a nationalist. You know, it's kind of a thing. Or maybe it's just like you know a different. Um, a, a, a different opinion on, on where the political mm. spectrum lies. So anyway, so that's what they were looking for in the Senate. But what the what other people were looking for in the Senate, and actually, uh, one of them is uh, our guy in Connecticut. Given although we're in Massachusetts now, but we grew up in Connecticut. Uh, Roger Sherman. Uh, he wanted. Was, it, was he also a, one of the authors of the Declaration yeah. on that five man committee? Yep. Yep. Most of my knowledge of the Declaration is derived from the musical 1776, for yes. the record. Yeah, great, great musical. Uh, <laughs> so, and especially that one song where they sing about, you know, where, like, they try to get each of them to, to actually pen it. <laughs> I'm sure it didn't happen that way, but, you know. I, I, I've, I have been in that meeting uh, of a committee uh, determining who is going to actually do the work. <laughs> yeah. And, and is it like that? Is it through song? That's uh, what you should do next time you find yourself in that situation. I, I am not well disposed to uh, <laughs> to, to the the uh, musical theater approach to uh, to management, but All it, right. it would make things more interesting for sure. Yeah. All right. So so um, and this other guy from New Jersey, I don't know who cares. New Jersey. They they wanted the Senate to be the voice of the state. So he actually came up with this thing called the uh, Connecticut Compromise, which said, okay, fine, the Senate would be apportioned, as you know, each state gets equal equal apportionment the house will be apportioned um by the people now interestingly a lot of kind of sort of left wing talking points these days are like well we should get rid of the senate the senate was made during an era of slavery but interestingly it was actually uh the people who wanted the senate were mostly northerners small northerners small state type people um the southerners loved the House of Representatives because they were getting this thing called the three-fifths compromise, mm. which meant that they were getting extra points for all their slaves, even though the slaves couldn't vote. So they were able to vote extra just for having slaves. And that gave them more uh, representation in the House of Representatives. So, um, so yeah, okay. So, uh, so, uh, so, so, so we get this compromise. And, and actually, that's why my document is called A New Compromise, because there are a lot of... Um, developments in American history called like great compromises or the compromise of this year or that year. Some of them are completely derided today. And in fact, I think we no longer say the compromise of blank year. Like there's none that occur in the 20th century. Um, there's certainly like deals struck between was politicians. Say a, a lot of 1800s, uh, you yeah. know, how, how are we going to bring new states in the union are 
compromise yeah. this compromise those the Missouri compromise was there an 1820 compromise yeah. so, that so kind of thing all of the, the those are the same that's the same one uh, oh <laughs> well yeah. then all of these compromises are like they're not just regular old political deals but these are like major like foundational compromises like okay we're having a big problem here and this is how the country is going to work going forward and we came to a deal um, and we're gonna we're gonna stick to it and um Probably the best one is this Connecticut Compromise, which created the Senate, uh, even though I still think they've kind of botched it, but they created the Senate and the created House of Representatives. The, the last one that has the moniker Compromise is completely, um, well, it's, it's very disliked today because it's the Compromise of uh, 1877, um, where the Republicans decided to allow Reconstruction to end in order to get uh, the presidency. Yes. And so uh, it... it now, interestingly enough, I, so I went to the Museum of the African American oh, Museum. It's unpopular, but consider the alternative. The alternative could have been another civil war. Uh, yeah. But, well, it's interesting because I went to the Museum of uh, African American Museum in D.C., and they were Th- like— This is a, a branch of the Smithsonian? Uh, or is I don't it independent? I, I, I honestly don't know. But, like, um, you know, th- there was an exhibit on that, and they are like— well, why did Reconstruction end? Why did Jim Crow start? It's because the Republicans, you know, uh, sold us out and um, did the Compromise of 1877. No mention of any other party that might have been involved <laughs> in that compromise. And so I thought that was very interesting. Do you know nothing of compromise? It's when one party asserts their will over everybody else. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the. That compromise maybe could have had a better, um, better outcome than um, almost a century of, uh, of of Jim Crow segregation. I don't know, uh, but any but the the Connecticut Compromise go, going some of the early ones were actually kind of necessary and pretty good. So the Connecticut Compromise uh, was um, uh, was was definitely one of those good ones. But the problem was some of those people were seeing the Senate as the voice of the states, and some of those others and and. The kind of federalists or some some other people were seeing the, the Senate as no, this is like these are like the the these are the lords, you know, these are our version of lords. They're going to be there for a long time, and they're going to be you know right. So so key to that being the six year term, yeah, uh, which is you know compared to the the two year term in the House of Representatives. Another key piece being and they need to be the longer than the president. That's very important, right? Uh, which which uh, there are many countries that well. Uh, European countries tend to have a different approach to how they uh, elect or appoint their their chief yeah. executive. Um, but but, but those that do have presidents um, tend to have longer terms of office than we do in the U.S. I think French president is 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 it like six or seven years or something. Used to be and, seven, now it's five. Oh, they've they've, they've yeah, downgraded. They, it. Yeah, they so it's, it. but it's not uncommon for it to be longer than the four year term that 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 we are so. Used right. to here, and, and but parliaments in in UK last a long time. They last up to five years. They can, they can, yeah. right? Um, and so, but that and and that's everyone. But that's but so everyone. so the the other thing I was I was getting to with the with the Senate, um, which which differentiates it significantly from the House, is uh, while it has a longer term, it does not all turn over at once. So every year. Uh, every House seat is up for elect, or excuse me, every election cycle, every two years, every seat in the House is up for election. Right. Um, let's ignore for a moment the I- advantage of incumbency. Everybody stays. Uh, right? But uh, in in the Senate, every two years, a third of the Senate um, is is up for re-election. And so, even if if every uh, Senate seat result uh, up for election resulted in a change of the the office holder or even a change in party, 
uh, it would not necessarily it would not swing the uh, the com composition of that body as dramatically uh, as it could potentially in the house. Right, right, and so and so there's so the kind of this continuity. A, so I shouldn't a say steady hand yeah. on the tiller for, yeah, this, for exactly. national stability. So that's a, maybe that's a good thing to have, and so and so that's why I think okay. The, the the problem is though, what's the point of the Senate? If the point of the Senate is to represent the states, then the states need to have more control over their senator. They can't be like, okay, we have this really important process because we are handing over this seat, the keys to the kingdom, for six years, and once we hand it over, we are powerless pretty much to do anything about it. And so that sort of limits the state ability. In fact, it says in the Constitution that the sen that the senators can only be paid by the federal government, not the states they come from. And the reason was that, you know, Madison was like, well, if the states can pay are paying the senators, then they could just stop payments. Yeah, because uh, presumably in the times of, of the Articles of Confederation, um, they, they, they I mean, I'm guessing they had experience with that, where the state government or state legislature was not happy with how their representatives were behaving. And they just said, uh, well, we're not going to pay you until you, uh, you know, shape up and do what we're asking you to. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think that this kind of um, tension between these two purposes of the Senate is what ultimately led to the 17th Amendment and, and also led to kind of the problems that you saw at the end of the 20th century where there were like deadlocks over, you know, who's going to be the next senator. And there were also, uh, you know, uh, cases of kind of fraud and abuse or... Uh, uh, not uh, or or kind of uh, corruption in terms of choosing the senator, you're not going to have. Are, are we talking like Rod Blagojevich level corruption? Yeah. Okay. So, right. so, so pretty much on par with that. So you to sell the Senate seat. It's not very valuable to sell a Senate seat that can be revoked at any time. But if you sell a Senate seat that, uh, you know, it has an entire term left. It wasn't the full term of Obama's term, but it was you know some of it. Then all of a sudden that becomes very valuable. Um, and so I think that caused the problem in the late. Uh, 19th century um, that led to the 17th Amendment. And I also wonder if we could find problems that it caused earlier in the Republic. I bet we can. I just, you know, I'm not a historian. I haven't looked yet, but I, I'm, I'm guessing we can. That's mm. just my hunch. Yeah. And, and in a sense, uh, part of Hamilton's uh, uh, objective, desire, vision uh, came to fruition that, that the Senate is is kind of a a, uh, a nobility uh, an elite among uh, among Americans certainly in the political class um, sure. now is it is is that level deserved uh, I, I would venture that in many cases no but but that right. doesn't change the fact that that these are these are the people who are are you know kind of uh, uh, American royalty so to speak right well um, I mean yeah, part well, of that you know, is the 17th your, amendment your or, or <laughs> things like that and, and how many people have, have yeah. used the Senate as, as a jumping off point to a presidential campaign? A few people. Some of them are, you Some know, more successful than others. Yeah. Some of them are chosen by special interest lobbyists. They're, they also become basically actors and con men, like many politicians come, become. Probably, you could probably say all politicians are actors and con men, but- I think it gets it has gotten exaggerated in recent years. Yeah, well, because yeah, because because a hundred years ago or two hundred years ago, um, I, I would like to think that the uh, 
endless election cycle that we see with the House, where you win election and you almost immediately after getting sworn in have to start fundraising and campaigning for your reelection because the the you know it's it's only two years and uh, eighteen months of that is going to be spent campaigning. Um, I I I would hope that that in in the eighteen hundreds uh, that was not the case, uh, but it certainly has become so. The Senate is free from that. Uh, which on the one hand means that they're not always fundraising, that they're able to focus on the business of actually governing. Um, On the other hand, it means that they've got probably a pretty solid four years where they can do uh, maybe not whatever they want, but they can take uh, relatively consequence-free actions without having to worry about the the impact on their chances of re-election. Some of them do. And then they they, they could probably even turn it around in the last two years, uh, you know, get some... some, some bills up on, on, on the docket that, that look good to campaign on, even if they've been pushing in, in an opposite direction or, or you know, stuck in neutral for the first four years of their term. Right. Right. OK. So so, so do, do you want them to be more beholden to the electorate or, or have the freedom to uh, to take the action that they feel is best without being a, a knee jerk, uh, you know, follow the polls uh, uh, automaton? Right. So exactly. So that's question one that I want to answer. And then question two that I want to answer is you're never going to get like Republicans, conservatives think that they're going to have an edge if we repeal the 17th Amendment. Now, I think that that might possibly be true, but it but certainly not. Well, a, it, thing, but but uh, th- at th- face whole, value, it's true in yeah. that uh, Republicans uh, control or or are, or or have, uh, you know, if not outright control uh, majorities in more states than than Democrats currently. Exactly. Um, now, so, would this change the 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 game on the ground? Uh, you know, a ripple effect where that would no longer be the case because uh, this is all all of a sudden become much more relevant and and how yes. people uh, and before participate the in their state elections changes. Maybe yeah, before the Seventeenth Amendment, people used to vote for their state representatives based on the senator, the Senate campaign. Hmm. So that, 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 that could happen again. So if, if we just repealed the 17th Amendment, which is not necessarily... When, I, when, when you say people would vote for their state representatives based on the Senate campaign, what yeah. what, what, what form would that take? Are, are so we talking like, about like ticket splitting? No, it might be like, oh, or? I'm voting for the Democrat uh, for my state rep because I want a, a Democrat senator. Oh, I, I see. They're, they're, they're representative to the state house yeah. uh, in, in order to influence who gets sent to... to Congress, yeah, that was a, Congress that, that, those are major okay. parts of the campaign. The, the, this, is, this is the confusing piece because uh, most most states have uh, senators and representatives, and then at the federal level we have, or at the the in DC we have senators right, and right, representatives, right. Yeah. and it's not always clear which 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 level you're talking about. Without, I, I have uh, lots of thoughts on the state governments too, but we, we don't have to get into that. that that's that's right. fifty problems to be solved so, one at a time. To, to finish my last point is, I also want to come up with a proposal that. Like, it's actually a compromise, not just like, oh, we're repealing the 17th Amendment and half the country is against it, but something that, like, everybody gets something out of it. Both right. the right be, be, and the because left and the, these states and that states. And, and, as, as, yeah. as tempting as it is to say elections have consequences, I win, you lose, suck it. Uh, the, there's when, when it comes to the uh, constitutional amendment process, whether, whether through a, uh, a, a single amendment or a, a convention of the states, uh, that doesn't fly. Right. Uh, you you need to get buy-in uh, from from either from the uh, the Congress or from the convention, and then you need to get buy-in from what is it, two thirds of the states, three fifths. Yeah. yeah. Uh, 
so uh, so a simple majority isn't going to let you push your will through there. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, so yeah. So that's that's the problem that I seek to solve, and uh, that is uh, that's what this proposal is. Okay. So enough of laying the groundwork. All right. What's the silver bullet? All right. So that was a little taste, a little. Uh, a, a little introduction to the proposal that I'm putting out there. And as some of you know, I'm going to be attending Porkfest, which is actually a libertarian conference in New Hampshire uh, later this week. And so I just wanted to, if you want to hear more about this, wait until next week where we're going to get to part two of this discussion. But I want to play a little bit of it now when Aaron talks about the plan for Porkfest, uh, because otherwise that goes out of date. So here you go. Exactly. Now, now, uh, if if people run into you at uh, at Porkfest, uh, w- will you have paper copies of this uh, available, uh, or or they just have to give you the secret handshake and you can send them a link? That's a good question. I don't know. Well, I, I, uh, what should I do? Put 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 Max on the spot. If you see him at Porkfest, ask him. Uh, you say, I, I I want I want to see the Great Compromise document. What can you do for me? <laughs> okay. I'm uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm ready to compromise. All right, great, great. Uh, it sounds good. Maybe, uh, maybe I will bring paper yeah, documents. I, I, I offer you a, a link and an yeah. exchange. I receive your unfiltered feedback. There's a lot of people at Porkfest who are very anti-constitution. Um, so yeah, we, we we were talking earlier about uh, some of the events on the schedule. Yeah. Uh, 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 one of which I think is uh, was was it you know why why the Constitution is is terrible or, or failed yeah. or something well, along those debate lines. Debate about it, like the U.S. Constitution sucks. So that's right, uh, but. We'll, we'll see what the terms of the debates are, also argued by the same person I debated against um, you know, uh, uh, earlier. So we'll, we'll see what's going on there. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to be concerned by, by not only uh, – well, I, I, I guess it's, it's uh, aligned with his previous position that if, uh, if monarchy is, is superior, then, then you would be opposed to the Constitution. Yes, yeah. That's, <laughs> but it's also weird because Alu wants to secede from the United States, but then it's like, okay, I want to secede, but – I also want a monarch. That's like, that's kind of weird. Uh, well, it would be difficult to do that without seceding. Um, that's true. Um, I mean, um, um, yeah. unless you're uh, creating a monarch uh, at the top of the federal government. I, I don't think he really um, uh, proposes like the, the kingdom of New Hampshire or anything like that. But uh, <laughs> I guess maybe we'll find out. All right. Once again, looking forward to getting out part two. And also, if you want to get your hands on this document, join our locals, maximum locals.com or you could just email me but do me a favor uh you know get me some good feedback if you uh if i give you access to this google doc all right have a great week everyone that's the show to support the local maximum sign up for exclusive content and our online community at maximum.locals.com the local maximum is available wherever podcasts are found if you want to keep up remember to subscribe on your podcast app Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power.